1: And thank you, Closing Bell. Tonight, we are celebrating 15 years of Fast Money. We've got a premier guest list for the party. One of the first guests on the show, Carl Icahn, and Cantor Fitzgerald CEO, Howard Lutnick, both coming your way this hour. To break down all of today's market action, you won't want to miss it. Plus, a Peloton fund shares closing below their IPO price for the first time since April 2020. Can the company climb over this mountain, or is this the end of the road? And later, shaky foundation, the housing trade, getting wrecked again today. The sector down nearly 15% already this year. What is at stake and what it means for stocks to break it all down on this special occasion? We are bringing in some of our longest-serving traders. Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Pete Najarian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. This is Fast Money. We are live from the Nasdaq market site as we have been for the past 15 years overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. We're so glad you can join us tonight. We start off tonight with an earnings alert on Netflix. The streaming giant plunging after hours. Let's get straight to Julia Borson with the very latest numbers. Julia.
2: Yeah, that's right, Melissa, Netflix shares plunging not on the company's top or bottom line results because revenue was in line and earnings were a big beat. But that stock is now down about 18 percent on guidance for the first quarter. Now, looking at the fourth quarter, the company added 8.3 million subscribers. That was ahead of analyst expectations, but below the 8.5 million subs that the company itself forecast. First quarter subscriber and revenue guidance, though, fell far short of expectations. The company says it's looking to add two and a half million subs in Q1. That's less than half the 6.9 million that analysts had anticipated. Netflix explaining that the guidance reflects a content slate, including season two of Bridgerton, that's weighted towards the end of the first quarter. Co-CEOs Reed Hastings and Ted Sarandos writing their letter to shareholders saying, quote, while retention and engagement remain healthy, Ac- acquisition cost is not yet re-accelerated re- to pre-COVID levels, saying we think this may be due to several factors, including the ongoing COVID overhang and macroeconomic hardship in several parts of the world, like LATAM. Now, they also go on to acknowledge the impact of rivals, talking about competition a lot more than usual, saying that competition has, quote, only intensified over the last 24 months as entertainment companies all around the world develop their own streaming offerings. Netflix's video call starts at 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll be listening, Melissa, especially listening for any commentary on whether that increased price uh, here in the U.S. and Canada if they anticipate it driving churn.
1: All right, Julia, thank you. Julia Boorstin, um with the latest on Netflix. And I guess the, the real question tonight, Dan, is what do, you, what do you pay for Netflix? Do you pay a growth multiple for stock that doesn't seem to be growing much anymore?
0: Well, hey, here's the thing, Mel. Their bottom line is going to grow because of that price increase. So, yeah, if you can do the math on you know a few million less subscribers, um, that's kind of the problem. Stock trading at like uh, 40 times or something like that. I don't think investors have ever really cared about price to earnings multiples when it comes to this. It really has had a lot to do with the expense of building out that library. Um, you know, listen. Do they have pricing pressure? We're going to see or pricing power, we're going to see soon enough. But you know, we all make the joke, we've watched everything on the internet. We're all getting back to it in a way. So this stock when X growth as far as subscribers pre-pandemic, they kind of got bailed out here. So, um, you know, down 20 percent, that seems like an awful lot. It is round trip. The multi-year move here, I don't think it's a great press leg here. If I own the stock, I certainly wouldn't be selling it down um, at $400 because given the guidance that they just get, they're likely to beat that two and a half million sub number going forward.
1: I thought you didn't care about price earnings ratios when you're seeing subscriber growth, when you're seeing the growth in international markets, which is what Netflix was supposed to deliver, Tim. I mean, at some point you do care. And this is that point in time. But the thing is, is that is that false? Should should you be actually looking through this thinking, you know what? Other parts of the world, they will get better in terms of their economy. And, you know, places like Latin America will recover.
3: Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, wish we could all be there on the birthday in person. Welcome back. We missed you. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have a case here where ninety percent of their sub growth is outside of U- US Canada. Um, look, the streak coming into this number, right, as Dan said, fourth quarter fine. This guide on, on Q1, it, it's not even close to where people were. It's not even close to where uh, they could have guided. And it's, it's, it's very concerning for analysts. And I, you know, I think it's Piper Sandler that has uh, in their most recent note on Netflix, we expect 25 million plus annual subs for the foreseeable future. Um, I mean, that, that's the problem. I'm not saying that we should treat the first quarter guide as gospel. Um, but for those that think that they pulled forward so much good news and, and really the only free cash flow we've ever seen from this company during the pandemic, uh, and that here we are, and Reed Hastings, who, to his credit, had always pointed out that the, the death of linear TV was the rising tide that would take all boats. He wasn't particularly worried. So, um, the fact that the competitive landscape is something we're talking about, and, and it's the margin pressure. And, and again, I, I just I wonder for a business that's so built on economies of scale, um, what analysts are going to do if it's going to be, you know, take two quarters of this for them to downgrade expectations, which are significantly higher. And at 420 on the stock, you're back to July of 2018.
1: Yeah, we're actually down 20% at this point. A round number, nice round number. Karen, is this overdone at this point, do you think?
4: Well, it's sort of a, not a great day uh, to announce a miss, and so it could be overdone, yes. But I thought they said a couple of things that were really interesting. One, they said there'd be free cash flow positive, which, you know, with a now I guess it's probably about a $200 billion market cap. Okay, that's good. Um, but the other thing was them talking about competition, which they have talked about in the past. It's interesting to me, all the other competitors are down in the aftermarket. And that may or may not make sense. The question is, is the pie, did the pie stop growing? And so they're all going to be limited in their growth or are any of them taking share? So I don't know, You know, this is a glass half empty kind of world right now. So they're all going to be down. But I thought that was interesting. The other thing is in the past, they have talked down numbers, right? They, this is the kind of management who tends to under-promise. And so I don't know what their, and many times we've seen, they don't know what their, what their subscriber growth is going to be. So I don't know if this will be one of those times. But I agree with Dan. If I had owned it, which I don't, uh, this wouldn't, to me, wouldn't be the day to sell it.
5: Yeah. Pete, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, what I really do like about the company, Mel, is you you you're talking about, well, would you want to buy it here? I think you probably do Uh, on this kind of a drop. I mean, we're talking close to a 20% drop in the stock. That's pretty extraordinary, and I think – Well, it makes sense though. Why did they sell it off? Well, when you when you look at the subscriber numbers that their guidance there was such a huge miss. Of course, that's concerning. But I also still look at the content and the content for 2022 is supposed to be extremely strong. Also, I think from the international standpoint, as the international markets start to recover more and more from the pandemic, I think that will be because that is the growth that that we're They're just looking for North America to just kind of continue to grow maybe at a very slow pace but the real growth that they've been talking about for a long time we've been talking about for a long time is the international growth and if that starts to kick back in once again with that content I think this is a company that's probably gotten back to the point where maybe it is a little bit too cheap down here at 400. This is a stock that not that long ago was a couple of hundred points higher than it is or was today before this earnings report so I think there is room the multiple was high but I think now they're a bit oversold at this point.
1: All right, we are less than an hour away from their video call at 6 o'clock. Let's get more on the reaction on the numbers from Rich Greenfield of Lightshed Partners. He joins us now on the Fast Line. Rich, um, your take on this decline of 20% after hours?
6: I mean, look, investors are clearly basically saying the growth story at Netflix is over. Like, they're basically just throwing in the towel and saying growth is over. The TAM, the total addressable market, meaning how many subscribers can Netflix have? The belief was they can have 600, 800 million, maybe even long-term a billion subscribers. They're at, what, 220 million today. Investors are panicking now that the growth, the, the potential market growth, is substantially less. I don't think that's true, but that's what the guidance is making people fear. Remember, the guidance of 2.5 million, when you add it to the 8 plus million they did in Q4, they're doing 10 million in those two quarters. So they're on a run rate for 20 million subs. But given what that Q1 guide is, Nobody's thinking about it that way. Everyone's just looking at it going, this thing is heading towards 10 or 12 million subscribers for the year. And they're completely panicking before they're even thinking about what is the long term potential market size for Netflix. And that's why they're also punishing every other stock in the group, because they're saying the streaming wars are over.
1: Right. So when you think about the total addressable market, which Karen was, was thinking about, should we think that that pie is not growing as fast? Um, and so, so you, there are more players trying to eat a piece of this not as quickly growing pie? I mean, how do, we, how do we think about it at this point?
6: I mean, the reality is Netflix just put up one of their best quarters in the U.S. in quite a while in terms of subscriber growth. And that's their most penetrated market. So, you know, if you think about in Asia where they have, you know, 30 million-plus subscribers, there's probably 200 million subscribers available outside of China in Asia, maybe even 300 million when you include mobile. There's just massive long-term growth potential. I think the question is, and the question management needs to explain to us tonight, is they're ramping content spend, but subscriber growth appears to be slowing that doesn't make a lot of sense unless they believe subscriber growth is going to reaccelerate. And I know, I think it was Dan mentioned, or Karen, like, I think there's a good chance that their expectations are just, they're just conservative, and it's been very hard for them to model their business over the, or predict their business over the last 18 months. But I don't see they're not acting like there's a fundamental change in the total addressable market, because if they did, they'd be slowing their content spend, and there doesn't appear to be any signs of that anywhere in the world. They seem more bullish on the global potential, not less bullish.
1: So we we're talking, uh, and just quickly, Rich, we were talking about the sell-off and some of the other related names in the after hour session. Uh, which declines are warranted, and which declines do you say to clients, you know what, you, you want to go buy this dip?
6: Look, the, the obvious one is Disney, right, because Disney is the one who basically has taken the Netflix playbook and basically run it and done it incredibly well. But as you can tell, with Disney stock over the last, you know, call it over the last six months, fear has continued to build about their streaming business and how many subs can they have, how much content do they have to spend on? And, you know, now you're starting to see that people are starting to worry that, hey, if Netflix can't get the growth with this amount of spending, what does Disney have to do um, with far less content? Like, just how much is Disney going to struggle to add subs? Again, not so much in, in calendar Q4, but as you get into 22 and 23, and can Disney live up to the expectations it set with the market for 2024 and beyond, that's why Disney's selling off. That's why people are going to be worried about the implications of this Netflix news across the whole sector. This is a Viacom. This is going to hurt Viacom. This is going to hurt WarnerMedia, AT&T, Discovery. This is going to hurt everybody.
1: All right. Rich, great great for you to phone in. We appreciate it. Rich Greenfield. Thank you. Lightshed. Uh, Dan Nathan, what do you think?
0: Well, here's the thing, Mel. You know, we like to talk about long-storied rumors in in the markets about M&A every once in a while. You remember that it was just kind of widely thought that Apple should have bought these guys years ago? Well, we just saw Microsoft make a $70 billion deal, right, for Activision, paid cash. Why wouldn't Apple at this point, the largest equity on the planet, you know, north of $2.5 trillion, this thing is going to be sub $200 billion market cap um, you know, I just think that that's going to be a question that starts to happen. If they miss this Q1 guidance, the stock's going to be lower. It's going to have a three handle on it in the not-so-distant future. And m could be in the sights here because they've already told us that they want to get into gaming. This company's going to have to be a platform, in my opinion. And they're going to have to maybe, if they're not an acquiree, they're going to have to acquire maybe a Spotify or something, throw some music subscription in there, gaming subscriptions. It's going to have to be more things to more people if they can't grow on just the video.
1: All right. And that's what we're going to be listening for on that video call. We're going to be listening to their gaming efforts in particular, some of their off-platform efforts. Um, just quickly, Tim, on Disney, we're down 3.8 percent at this point on the back of Netflix earnings. What do you think of that move?
3: Look, as a Disney shareholder, um, part of that, that uh, excitement over the last 18 months has been, of course, around streaming and, and in fact, getting a Netflix-like multiple. Well, guess what? Disney's streaming business uh, has got a Netflix streaming multiple. And and in fact, it's actually more expensive. Maybe not after today. Uh, Sorry. Well, let's see. Obviously, Netflix is a lot cheaper. But I I, I think the story here really is about margin uh, and compression. And let's see. But if you don't have the subs um, and you have this competitive landscape, do they have the pricing power? Uh, And that's really the question. Uh, Yesterday, everybody thought they did. We'll see.
1: All right. For more on the tech troubles and overall market, let's turn to a CEO who is leading two major financial services firms. Howard Lutnick is here to help us mark Fast Money's 15th anniversary on the air. He runs Cantor, Fitzgerald and BGC Partners and is the CEO of the SPAC CF6. Uh, Howard, always great to see you. Thanks for joining us tonight.
7: Great to see you. And Congratulations. Happy birthday.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> we appreciate we appreciate you being a guest with us for all these years. Um, want to get to the markets here, Howard. I just want your take on where we are in this Is It was a pretty sloppy session to finish at the lows, and we seem to be beholden to rates. Where do you think we are?
7: I think people are overdoing it. You know, you have to remember the Fed has got $30 trillion of our debt. And if you were in charge of the rate to charge on that 30 trillion, wouldn't you charge zero? So the concept of the Fed is going to go out there and four hikes. I just think it's all right. I think it's overdone. So what I think they're going to do is they're going to move twice. they are going to jawbone the heck out of inflation, inflation, inflation. But I think four hikes is just not in the cards. Two hikes for sure, then a long pause till after the election Maybe a third, but I doubt it. I'm betting on two for sure. So I just think it's overdone. People are getting ahead of themselves and over their speed.
1: You, you think we've seen the near-term bottom?
7: Well, I, I just think, you know, look, these are volatile markets, and we've been up a lot. We've been up a lot. And, and you know, the pushback of the stimulus package to go back better obviously matters as well. So. Yeah, have uh, the president saying he's going to cut it up a bit and he's going to get some stimulus out there. When that stimulus is back on the table, you're going to see a rally again. When you're going to see the Fed cut it back, you're going to see a rally again. So I think there are I think there are bounces off uh, off these levels. And I and I think you'll be able to trade higher than where we are today. Maybe not tomorrow, but I think there's good things coming two hikes and some stimulus from the federal government. And, and things will be better for our, our stock market.
1: I want to talk about Rumble um, for sure which is if people don't know Rumble it could you know could be a YouTube competitor, a Twitter competitor and I do want to but you like to make bold calls so I'm just going to ask you, I wasn't planning on asking you this I'll ask you this anyway are, can you make a call on the markets for the year?
7: Yeah, I think look like I said, I think uh, overdone. So I think we're going to hang in there. Uh, if they get stimulus done and and there's only two hikes, I think we're going to do much better than people think. I think people are overdoing Fed four hikes. Some people see five hikes. I just think that's overdone. And when they realize that pause is coming and there's some stimulus coming, I thought like you were going to. I thought you were going to give me a
1: percentage higher, Howard. I was looking for a percentage higher on the uh, S and P five hundred. You no, don't want to go down look, that road. I'm not that.
7: I'm not. I'm not that. I talk, I talk macros and and yeah. I talk companies. You know, and so I'm, I'm happy to talk to you about. Uh, Rumble and satellite those are two really cu- fun companies. We're talking about in General. Yeah,
1: CF6. So let's talk about Rumble. Um, what What do you see as the potential for this company? I, I have noticed that a lot of people, at least the people who are seem to be in my Twitter Twitter verse who are part of this sort of Reddit crowd, I don't know what you want to call it, Reddit crowd, people who like to talk about these memes stuff. You know, they broadcast on YouTube. They've been complaining that they've been censored or they believe they've been censored. They are urging to, you know, for people to see them on Rumble instead. What do you think Rumble provides in this sort of social media ecosystem?
7: Well, you think about it. So YouTube is now becoming an echo chamber of itself. If you, if you think anything that disagrees with, uh, with their view, they throw you off or they censor you or, or you just feel like you're unloved. And Rumble is just a neutral network. So think about this. They had 1.6 million active users in 2020, at the third quarter of 2020, and 36 million active users. So you guys were talking about Netflix. You're talking about growth. Here's a company that grew. 30, you know, 35 million users, 30 million in the U.S. That's 15% market share of YouTube's U.S. business, which is where YouTube makes most of its money. And they just put out, Rumble just put out record uh, consumption, record creators, I mean, just record after record. And January tends to be their, you know, seasonally, their slowest month and the record after record. So I think this is a company with TikTok-like growth and people just haven't looked at it, CFBI, it's a rock star. I mean it's it's such a great company. You should go take a look, but it's neutral. They have they're happy to have president number forty-five. They'd be happy to have president number forty-four as <laughs> well.
3: Howard, it's Tim Seymour. Thanks for joining us tonight and, and over the years. And congrats on Cantor's success in the SPAC business, which has been a, a big theme over the last couple of years. But I want to talk about Wall Street because this week, Jamie Dimon took a little heat for talking about comp and J.P. Morgan. Cantor, look, as Wall Street has contracted, Cantor's largely grown. Um, just give us your outlook both on, you know, the, the fear of brain drain, the, 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 the future of the industry, fintech at Cantor, how you see all this.
7: Look, the, the world of, of Wall Street has got to be pivoting and moving Right? You've got crypto, and crypto is fascinating, and now the banks are just allowed to get into the business of custodian and clearing, and they're going very slowly, right? But these things are opportunities for Wall Street firms. All the great trading firms are all trading crypto. You know, Canada Fitzgerald is going to do huge and fascinating things in crypto over the next year. BGC Partners, the largest wholesaler <laughs> in the world, right? Imagine the largest wholesaler in the world. When it goes into crypto, you're going to have the greatest assets, billions of dollars spent on infrastructure, just blowing it up. So we're going to have lots to say BGC partners about crypto. So I think what happens is if you use the tools of Wall Street across the new horizon, you're going to see immense opportunity and growth from certain firms if can take advantage of it. The banks will figure it out. The banks always go slowly. The firms like Hannah Fitzgerald just go more quickly. And BGC partners, it's just got the tools. It's the greatest exchange wholesaler in the world, when it goes into crypto, they ain't seen anything like BGC partners.
1: Is that a first half 2022 story, Howard?
7: Uh, It's right in the middle. I think it's a, it's a, you know, sort of like right June, July, August, this summer will be the beginning of a whole new world for BGC partners as we announce all the things we're going to be doing in crypto. You got to remember you know, people just don't, you know, they think the world's largest wholesaler, oh, where's it going? It's going to be electronic. Think of all those assets. We've announced a futures exchange to be able to see me. Right? Right. We're going to have all the banks as our partners. I mean, this is just exciting stuff.
1: Well, we hope you'll join us when you have that announcement. Howard, great to see you, as always.
4: Super to see you.
1: Howard Lutnick. Karen, what do you make of that? That's an interesting new line of business for them.
4: It is. I mean, he Howard is always looking for interesting new lines of business, and, um, and very often he finds them. And I mean, you know, we all know the, hist- the storied history of Cantor, but um, I'm sort of excited about exchanges and trading and the evolution of trading. When I look at something like a Robin Hood and I look at something like a Morgan Stanley and I think about where those two relative are in valuation, I don't know, for me, Morgan Stanley.
1: All right. Coming up. We're keeping the celebration going tonight with a big interview from one of our very first guests. Carl Icahn will join us in just a few. Plus, a huge drop in Peloton. One of our traders says it's still not cheap. We'll find out why. Don't go anywhere. A very special Fast Money is back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Checkout shares of Peloton clocking in a loss of nearly 24 percent today after CNBC reported the company is temporarily halting production as demand for its products wanes. But uh, is it still expensive, Karen, at this point?
4: Yes, I think I mean, it's obviously much cheaper than it was, but I don't think it's cheap. And one of the metrics that I look at is subscribers, and what's the overall value? The enterprise value divided by subscribers and then divide that by the amount they pay per year. And it looks like the current (coughs) subscriber base is valued at, I think it's, I don't know, six or seven years. And that obviously doesn't include growth, but it doesn't include churn either. And it's a really back of the envelope calculation, but that seems pretty (coughs) expensive to me still. So even though it's down, it sort of doesn't, it's irrelevant where it got to. The question is, where is it now and what is it worth? And so even down today, that was actually, a, by the way, an incredible scoop. That's that was excellent. Um, but even to where it is now, I still think it's expensive. But if you look at something like a Netflix, you know, that subscriber base is cheaper. And yeah, that um, seems like a. I mean, it's a lot easier to sit on your couch than do your Peloton.
1: Oh, yeah, I could say that from personal
5: experience.
1: <laughs> Pete, um, you think this becomes some sort of acquisition target at this point?
5: You know, that that is a possibility. I was going to mention that, Mel, because I, I've been as negative on this stock as anybody. When it was in the 150s, everybody was calling me this guy who was just too harsh on this company and I was wrong and everything else. And. You know, the, the reality is people are social. People do want to get back to gyms. Of course, during the, the pandemic, it worked out extremely well and everybody was jumping on this. And I just kept looking at it, Mel, though. We've been through this many times. Anybody who's over the age of 50 understands over the last couple of decades, we've seen this play out more and more and more where we've seen some sort of a fad that becomes the most expensive clothes hanger in your house right as karen was talking about it sits right next to you while you're watching tv and you're not sitting on it you're sitting on the couch so that is the problem and So when I looked at it today, as a matter of fact, when it really after some of those halts Mel, it was a monstrous day when you look at the options world there. They traded over almost 800,000 contracts in there, 70% of which were on the put side, and they were continuing to buy. As a matter of fact, very, very short term, they were even going all the way down to the 10 strike. So this was an extraordinary thing to watch. Um, Amazing. I actually participated a little bit as well. But I will tell you, um, there is that possibility that somebody will look at this and say, you know what? it's gotten to the point where maybe it is an acquisition target. I don't see it, but I'm sure somebody out there is doing the numbers and trying to find out if it is.
1: I thought this was supposed to be a software company, Dan, and that it would make money off of subscriptions. And so halting production yeah. of the hardware aspect should be no big deal.
0: Right. Well, that was the bull case, right? That was going to justify, I guess, the valuation um, as you broaden out the potential subscriber base. I'll just say this, Mel. You know, we get asked this question all the time by some of the kids today. What was it like when you saw the Internet bubble inflate in the late 90s and pop in the early 2000s? And this stock is really just emblematic of, of so many stories, hundreds of stories, Great stories at one point in the late 90s and they kept on going lower and you know here's the thing I'm just going to say this is happening all over the place in the stock market and we're just starting to pay attention look at zoom is down 70% from its highs snap down 50% from its highs I could go on and on and on but here's the thing and this is going to become very clear in the next few weeks. When you have Netflix, which was a near $300 billion market cap company, now down 40% as we speak from its recent all-time highs, you know, Amazon's down 20%, Apple and Microsoft only down 10%. If they join this party, if there's anything that is not to be liked in their report, we might really have a serious decline in the broad markets. Finally, we've been talking about the names under the hood and the things that have been propping it up. That's the thing I think investors really have to pay attention to right now.
1: All right, coming up, Fast Money turns 15. We're keeping the celebration going. One of our very first guests, Carl Icahn, will join us next to break down what is in store for activism. Plus, a big bump for China Tech. The K-Web ETF jumping more than 4% today. So what's behind this move? Much more of that and more when Fast Money returns. I'm going to hold the food for you.
7: <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, you're going yeah, yeah, to help yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Bumps.
1: <laughs> yeah.
7: Mmm. Bang!
1: You want me to slip my fingers? No, I'm on. All... <laughs> what <in laughs> the world?
5: I don't even know where so my on mouth appetite. is. a appetit. Shove it in there. Pardon me. The big McCafe guys. Chick-fil-A.
3: Ta-da!
1: Oh, I
5: got it right? You got it right. Thank
1: you. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family
2: vacation. Jenny! starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the
1: more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org/moneytools.
7: What's on the horizon for financial markets?
1: Welcome back to the special edition of Fast Money. As we mark our 15 years on air, take a look back at one of our first-ever guests, my first-ever guests, when I took over the show 13 years ago, legendary investor Carl Icahn, chairman of Icahn Enterprises. This was the two of us back in 2009. We actually extended the set so that he could sit there with us. It was called the uh, sidecar, I think. He's back with us now exclusively to help us celebrate. He joins us on the Fast Line. Welcome back to Fast Money, Carl. It is great to have you.
8: Uh, Good to be here, Melissa.
1: Uh, want to first get okay. your take yeah, on yeah, it.
8: Yeah, congratulations <laughs> on your anniversary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks very much, Carl. It wouldn't be a party without you. I want to get your overall take uh, on, on where we are in the markets. You said in the past that you think we're, we're headed for massive trouble um, in this country, and the economy. And I'm wondering if the Fed, in your view, can do anything to avert that massive trouble. I mean, it is on the road to tightening at this point.
8: Yeah, I'm, I don't believe uh, that there's necessarily massive trouble coming soon, because I don't think anybody can really know when it's coming. But with all the factors, it, 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 you don't have to really be a genius to understand that if you keep pushing money into the economy the way we've been doing with uh, with with money velocity today and the balance sheet, that you're going to have inflation. I mean, it suddenly comes as a surprise. I, I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner, uh, but. I do think that the way it's going, there's going to be problems with inflation and a number of other things. But I certainly don't let it, you know, bother my investment philosophies of activism. And I just keep going. But I I think it's and we keep a a pretty big hedge on. Right. Uh, But but eventually, who knows? I think it's going to be a little tough. It could be now and it could be. Three years from now, you know, but it going
1: to yeah. happen. We're focused on inflation, uh, you know, in, in the prices that we pay for various things, Carl, but do you think that there are bubbles, inflation uh, in other in other things? I mean, do you think that the stock market is inflated? Do you think that there are pockets of the stock market that are inflated?
8: Yeah, very much so. In, in other words, I, I do think that some of the multiples are crazy, that some of the investments are, are just out of this world. I mean, you know, as far as any manageable ratio. So, I, I, versus, uh, you know, and Icon I Enterprises, uh, where, where we've been doing this for years and years, I always keep a hedge on, but activism still works as a paradigm. It's the best one. But you do have your ups and downs in that, too. But uh, happily, since... Uh, well, I, I can't talk about this quarter yet, but uh for the for the first three quarters of uh of twenty one our our net asset value of i e p uh, uh went up uh $1.8 so, uh one point eight billion dollars so we we're happy about that so uh and that's and that's with having a lot of hedges on so
1: right what happened
8: was that the activists have came to fruition on a number of companies and uh uh you know in those three quarters uh, right you know, well well
1: yeah. We are celebrating 15 years here on the show, Carl, but you've been at this activism business for a long, long time, and you're still at it. How, how many years have you been doing this? Because I ask you this because <laughs> you've, said, you've yeah. said that you think that you might be the last activist out there. You have the luxury of having permanent capital, your own capital, to do these long-term battles, and it's going to get more difficult. And Gary Gensler, the chairman of the SEC, is looking to shorten the 13-D filing window.
8: And yeah what uh, would that do? yeah look i I really think that could be one of the last nails of the coffin. I think the s e c is doing a lot of good things, and I think Gary Gensler is doing good things. I think there's a lot of things in Wall Street that should be cleaned up. There's a lot of abuses, there's no question about it, so in that sense i I agree with him. but I think activism is very important uh break on on a uh, corporate america you know i I really don't think. There's corporate democracy. I think you have corporate feudalism. I have said that for years. So, you, yeah, and it's very hard to, you know, get across that moat, you know, and, and charge in, in in the feudalistic society that you have. So it, it it makes no sense to make it tougher and tougher for the activism to work. And uh, with me, you know, we take big positions. We make tender offers. We have permanent capital. But what you are is killing the, the, the smaller activists who... You know, if you don't give him time to accumulate a stock position, you know, up to 10%, up to 15%, even up to 5%, you know, if you don't give him, then then why there's no incentive to spend the great deal of money that you have to spend to do a proxy fight to try to get these guys to account? And believe me, I've seen it over and over and over firsthand how many of our companies are just terribly run, terribly run. And that's why we make so much money over the years, You know, we clean up these companies, and uh, and it's just amazing the abuses that corporate America places on on the shareholders in many companies. There are many very good companies and many very good CEOs, but then there are very many bad ones. And I think it's sort of crazy to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't get involved in politics, but I may get involved in this one. To write last time they were going to do this, I wrote an editorial. I'll probably write another one. But I, I think that if you don't have activism, you don't have accountability. Uh, the Business Roundtable is a huge lobby, <laughs> ironically paid for by the shareholders that are getting abused by them. So, uh, you know, I could go on and on with this. It's silly to go on and on. I mean, we, we do activism, and, and there's so many companies. I mean, that's why we made a billion. Uh, the, the net asset value went up a billion eight, even even though I was hedged on the technology stocks, which are Working out a little better today, I guess. But but uh, 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 it really is a problem, and and part of that is that we're not productive. We are not really productive. That's one of the reasons you have inflation, and one of the reasons are we're not well run. The companies, and I can attest mm-hmm. to it because I've been there so many for so many years. Okay, well I'll just leave it at that. There's no point <laughs> get, get talking about it anymore.
4: Carl. Carl, it's Karen Feinerman. Thanks for not just being here today, but for being here over the years. And, you know, I, I've followed you as an activist from when I when I was a wee child. And you're actually one of, I, you know, I, I followed what you do for so long and I found it fascinating. I love your letters. They're entertaining. But I'm wondering, <laughs> given how high the markets are, even with this sell-off, and how difficult it's getting for activists, do you still find that there's places, I know you have a couple that you're working on now, but do you still find there are opportunities for you.
8: Yeah, you find them because uh, they, 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 bad corporate management has no time limits. There are plenty of them <laughs> that are bad. We're working on one now, uh, Southwest Energy, which is a quintessential of bad, quintessential example of what I consider to be bad management, uh, almost abusive management, and. We're going, you know, we're going after them. but, you know, I can afford to wait. We can afford to do a tender offer. And uh, but but it's really uh, I won't say criminal because I guess it's legal what they've done. But I mean, they went out and uh, 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 I say to avoid somebody challenging the great spend of spending. I mean, the reg agencies in California and Arizona, you know, have challenged them quite a bit. Uh, their their SG&A has gone up 37% the last four years, and yet they went out and bought a company just recently. Uh, uh, The the company uh, is a pipeline, Questar. (laughs) And you know, the old saying, you know, uh, fools run in where angels fear to tread. So in that that area, the most anybody would ever pay for this from the, the, the pipeline was a, I think it was Buffett at 1.7 billion where there were synergies. There are no synergies here, and they just made two billion and I think they did it, and we've said it publicly, they did it so they could place stock in the companies that the stock was down there. I think the utility is a bargain. obviously, I just made it I, we, we made it tender at uh, mm-hmm. 75 the stock was 67 but it's there, it's just a terribly run company, and yet. There are so many barriers to entrance, and so many barriers they're putting up. But I'm just using that as an example because it maybe it's unfair to just pick them out. There really, right. I go on these boards. I don't go on the boards. I have people on the boards, and it's just unbelievably abusive. And the, the lobby they have just, you know, it's got very a lot of power. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's a, it's. A, hey, Karen, you, you know, I've been well, you and I remember we've been talking about this. Since you've been on these shows, and uh, I think you agree with me to some extent, and uh, so I keep doing it because I don't have very much else to do. I'm getting older, and I play, I play a little tennis, and that's pretty tough. So uh, I enjoy doing it. But uh, but if you ask me, are there there are always examples for this that yeah. you can buy and pick out bar. Now look, I'll say this: when secular changes come, markets fall apart. So you have to have the staying power. That's what I think. Melissa just mentioned where you can't, have a, you can't have a capital that could be called away from you, you know, in two years or one year. Sometimes you have to wait three or four years. A Motorola, it took three, four years. It worked out tremendously well, but it took, uh, it took a great deal of time. Reynolds Tobacco, going way back, took four or five years, but they, you made ten times your money on the stock there. So it's just a very fascinating business. And it's sad to see that I think the last nails in the coffin of activism are coming on. Mm. But what can you do? I mean, I I honestly, I'm not here to criticize the SEC against them, because I think they've done some real good things. But this one, I think they're missing uh, completely. Right.
1: Carl, it is always a pleasure to speak with you. We we wish you many, many, many more years in the activism business. (laughs) And we hope you'll come back on the show.
8: (laughs) Okay. All right.
1: Be well. Carl Icahn, the legendary Carl Icahn. Um, Tim, we've, we've had him on many times. It, ironic, considering he's long, patient money and we are called fast money. But he's always giving us uh, pearls of wisdom.
3: <laughs> well, he, he, like he's an absolute legend on the street. And you talk about, you know, he, he, the patience. He's, he's basically waiting for the fat, the fat pitch. Um, for a guy, by the way, that that hasn't lost any miles an hour on the fastball. And and, and so the lesson really is that he, he takes a position and he's there, um, and think about the energy sector, again, Carl's one of the great cyclical investors of all time. Um, and some of the big positions we started seeing him put on as we got into uh, the, the middle part of last year, when yes, energy was having a resurgence, but uh, again, speaking of poorly run companies, uh, the energy sector is is full of it. And, and this is a case where we talk about this on this show all the time, that these companies now actually have to run themselves for shareholders. They don't have uh, the pools of capital and the growth at all costs. So. Um, it's, it's, look. it's been a treat. It's been a privilege to listen to Carl and be at the table and even be around a couple of his big battles and, and have uh, a couple of his opponents on and, and get their side of the story. But um, he's, uh, he, he's somebody that's done it for a long time. And activism does play a role in not only an inefficient market, but in a, in a market that needs governance from corporate America.
1: Yeah, we'll get Michael Burns of Lionsgate on some other time. <laughs> that was one of the great <laughs> battles. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot more of the special edition of Fast Money after this break. Don't go anywhere. Check on shares of Netflix. It is down uh, nearly 20% after its earnings report. The conference call, the earnings call, kicks off top of the hour. Up next on Fast Money, a very special message from one of our traders' very favorite people.
8: Guy Adami.
3: Why do you need to wreck this company? Because it's wreckable, all right?
8: Tim Seymour.
3: When does it all end? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? Brian Kelly.
5: I get a strange call from the SEC. They ask to see my records. This is heavy, bud. A fast money film, Wall Street.
8: Karen, it's Jamie Dimon. Ah. I'm here to say happy birthday. I, I want to know, I, mean, I love watching you and the whole Fast Money gang, but you are my favorite. Oh,
4: thank you. <laughs> you are my favorite as well, as you well know, Jamie. Now that the restraining order is just about <laughs> over, I'm looking forward to seeing you soon.
1: That was, of course, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon wishing our own Karen Vinerman a happy birthday a few years back. That was so great. I mean, you were so surprised, right, Karen? I was very happily surprised. Well, you know what? We've got another surprise for you. Take a listen.
4: Happy birthday to uh, Fast Money 15 years and Karen Feinemann.
1: Now, if you're just listening to that and you didn't see the video, he was blowing you a kiss, Karen, specifically to you.
4: Uh huh. Okay, I'll accept it. Uh, EC, if you could send (laughs) over a little video of that for me to keep, please. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll send him a note, but again, that restraining order might still be in place. I don't know if I'm allowed to contact him that way, but thank you. He is the greatest finance executive of our generation, no doubt. All right.
1: Coming up, get that landing gear ready. The Jets ETF losing some altitude today. That had options traders gearing up for the worst. We got the details next. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out the Jets US Airline ETF closing in the red, well off its highs of the day. Today's move sparking a flurry of activity in the options market. Among traders who think there are more losses to come. Mike, co-joins us to break down the action. Hey, Mike.
5: Hi there. So, Jets saw more than 3 times its average daily put volume today. The most active puts that we're seeing opening activity was the February 19 spot 86. That's a $19.86 strike. Puts over 12,000 of those traded for just over 30 cents. It appears that the buyer of those puts is either betting on or hedging against a move back towards those December lows.
1: All right, Mike, thanks for that. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show. That is tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades.
0: Listen, you'll clearly notice some changes here on the set, but as a show and as a network, We'd just like to wish Melissa Lee, the emissary, all the best, as she now takes the center seat here on Fast Money. So em- Absolutely. The center
1: seat. It is an honor to sit here Don't amongst you
0: guys.
1: <laughs> I really didn't think I'd still be here 13 years later and with nobody around me. At that. Hopefully we can do this in person the next anniversary, guys. Thank you so much. Um, time for the final tray. Let's go around the horn. Pete.
5: Well, a little champagne because it's a great event. I'll take that sip in a second. I'm going to give you Netflix. I think Netflix down here at these levels, it's time to buy it. Tim.
3: First of all, Guy Dami, you should be at this party. We miss you tonight. Melissa, thank you for running this nursery school so impeccably. Costco.
4: Karen. (laughs) Well, we're just glad you made it back for the second day. Then we knew you had you. Um, (laughs) Mine is short HYG. You can win with credit and you can win with rates. Dan.
0: Yeah, shout out to Guy and Starbucks.
4: All right.
1: Thanks, guys. Thanks for 15. Here's to the next. Thanks for watching Fast Money tonight. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.